Hi, and welcome to Site of Design from BWBR, a podcast for those who are passionate, curious, and obsessed about the performance of organizations and the people and the facilities that power them. We're happy to have you tune in for these discussions on the topics and issues affecting how we heal, learn, work, research, play, and pray. In essence, how we live. Usually at this point, I'm welcoming new listeners to our podcast and telling them we come twice a month with these conversations. But March throws us a curveball, and with 31 days, we're actually presenting our third episode this month. Thank you for tuning in and subscribing for those who do. After the episode, let us know what you think about this or any discussion you've heard. Email us at sideofdesign at bwbr.com. I'm James Lockwood, your host for this episode. It goes without saying this past year has been traumatic, whether we've known someone die from COVID or not. The unfathomable number of those who have passed or been hospitalized have forever impacted us as communities and as individuals, both in large and small ways. For those who work in healthcare, the pandemic has pushed many of them to the point of exhaustion, both mentally and physically. And it is reflected in the rising rates of suicide, depression, and anxiety that staff report they are experiencing. A Medscape report on nursing during the pandemic found nearly 20% of nurses feeling burned out, about a fourfold increase in some nursing specialties. Another Medscape study found close to 45% of physicians feeling burned out. The problem is that these feelings are not new. More than three quarters of those physicians who said they felt burned out said those feelings started before the pandemic. 16% of all nurses in a 2019 study reported feelings of burnout, with another 41% feeling unengaged. In physician ranks, the issue of burnout is amplified by the suicide rate, which is more than double that of the general population, with nearly three to 400 deaths a year. Our topic today is not about how we can solve these issues. However, what we want to discuss is how we can do a better job supporting the health and wellness of care providers especially at a time it is most needed. To that point, can we do a better job supporting the resiliency of care staff that can help individuals avoid these feelings of depression, exhaustion, and in some cases, isolation? Here to discuss the tools within the physical environment that can complement the peer support and other services for mental health are Devin Swinkowski and Danny Ostertag, two people well-versed in healthcare programming and wellness design. Devin is a medical planner and designer at BWBR, whose training includes a master's degree in architecture with a certificate in architecture for health and wellness from the University of Kansas. Danny is a senior interior designer who, amongst her other projects, helped with the design of a healthy living center, specifically created to help people develop the resiliency to navigate life and all of its challenges. Both have worked across the spectrum of care from critical excess hospitals in rural communities to ambulatory care centers in the middle of downtowns and large specialty care centers. Resiliency is not a new ideal for healthcare staff. Long hours, mentally taxing events, physically taxing shifts. Yet this year of the COVID pandemic, it feels like the discussion on staff burnout is on an all-time high. Danny, I'll give you the first question. Where have we gone wrong in addressing the resiliency of our staff? Thanks, James. So we're really good at prioritizing the patient experience, and we have been for years. It's been at the front of mind, at the front of planning, um, and everything that we do for healthcare projects. But now is the time, and it's, you know, like you said, COVID isn't making this a new issue. It's just really brought to our attention that it's time to start thinking more broadly um, 
and really more about the overall human experience in healthcare, um, prioritizing those unique experiences, not only for patients, um, but for families, for visitors, and for the staff, those that are, that are providing the care. Um, so really, it's just going to be a mindset and process shift. We're already designing factors into patient spaces that contribute to healing, but it's time to translate those to staff spaces as well. Did we miss the part that hospitals and clinics are also workspaces? You talk about the human-centered approach, and we've talked about workspace design as supporting the health and wellness of employees who are in those spaces, yet you never hear those same terms when we discuss healthcare staff, hospitals, and clinics. Did we miss that part? You know, I think there's a lot of crossover when it comes to design methodology behind both, you know, if you think of corporate spaces and healthcare spaces, um, it's all about having spaces dedicated to collaboration, but also providing those smaller, more private spaces for focus time, alone time, more intimate moments. And I think that's just been more at the focus in some other sectors or industries is really looking at the difference between those two spaces and providing both. In healthcare, it's, you know, it's all about the break room and however much space there is. And there, there really isn't typically a lot of dedicated collaboration or space for camaraderie and space to really just get away if you need a minute. Yeah. Following up on that, we tend to have these staff spaces are the last places that get put into the program. I mean, like you said, all the focus has been on the patient care. And even when you're meeting with these staff that are, you know, boots on the ground, they're so dedicated to their job and helping people that they themselves won't advocate for these spaces. They're like, if you can just make the bathroom really nice or the stairway have a window, I'll be happy. And while we try to achieve those at a minimum, I mean, we kind of need to bring to light to them that we can have these spaces for them and um, really focus on that. And I think it, it is starting to come. We do have a lot of projects on the books that we are talking about these, you know, staff break rooms or large kind of work rooms, especially in education hospitals. I mean, you need the space where the doctors and the residents can collaborate and work together and learn. But I think just that shift of the resiliency of they also need a place to be a human because mm -hmm. they're really entrenched in some, some pretty terrible things sometimes, and they just need to reset and focus on themselves for a second. You know, Devin, something that you just said there kind of caught me because for the past two decades, uh, we've really <laughs> leaned on lean principles <laughs> to guide us in the design of healthcare environments. You know, looking at efficiencies and travel for staff to deliver care within facilities. I mean, literally, I think we've almost limited the, the definition of resiliency as in physical exhaustion. Did our focus on lean overshadow uh, the need to see staff wellness as a strategic objective? I mean, if you look and read in a lot of the books that talk about lean processes, yeah, I mean, the, the focus is on, it's on how the staff are working for the patients. And so, I mean, that is focused on the staff because the more efficient they can work and the better they can flow, I mean, they'll be happier in their work life. But one thing I think that the lean principle does a really good job of is really encouraging the boots on the ground people to be part of that planning process 
and that transparency. And I know we're talking about kind of architectural elements to support staff resiliency, but I mean, through a lot of our research, we found that it is so important to be transparent and have good communication with your staff so they know what is going on. So in the lean processes, what they do really well is engaging those those staff members that are doing the day-to-day work in how their space is getting built. So I think we can, we're at that point where we can take that one step further and, you know, include those staff spaces, especially where is the best location for those staff spaces? Because sometimes they're off the unit and people only have 15 minutes to take a break and they can't take a break off the unit or they don't want to because they want to be close to their patient. So working in that lean process, we can figure out where is the best place for you to take your breaks. You can take that break, but get right back to what you want to be doing or need to be doing and be most efficient with that break time that you have. So I think, I think we're definitely ready to kind of bring that into the fold of the structure that's already there. Yeah. I just want to take onto that really quick too, Devin, exactly. Like you said, lean has, you know, so many benefits to it, but really it focuses on the physical how of staff of how they're doing their job. Um, and we really need to be filling in with, you know, that emotional side of how they're doing their job as well. Just bringing that to the forefront. Danny, you know, again, in other sectors, especially the corporate market, there's the idea that the well-building standards kind of complementing the, the, the lead certification, you know, so whereas the building might be, uh, good for the environment, you know, wellness really wants to look at how is the elements good for the employee, does well provide us maybe some kind of blueprint that we could actually apply to healthcare that would look at the health and wellness of the individual staff member? Absolutely. I mean, I think well just does a, a better job of looking at the whole picture and it really, you know, starts to accompany like mind, body and spirit health in a way, like how can the design of a space really foster all of those different parts of a human And so, you know, in our our blog post, we touched on some really simple ways that start to bring in a lot of a lot of those healing elements that we look at in patient care and patient spaces. It doesn't have to be difficult. It can just be, you know, I mean, it talks about clean air, access to water bottle fillers, things like that. In our experience, these staff are really grateful for the things that they're given, but we can be giving them so much more in not a not an overly difficult way. Yeah. And to kind of add on to that, I mean, I'm not as familiar with the well standards, but we just know that being able to control, you know, your lighting or the sound or you just your personal environment is really important. So any spaces that we do create for the staff, letting them have that ability, because, you know, when we were writing our blog post, one of the comments that really stuck to me is that they're in this um, uncontrollable situation. Like they just have no control over what is happening and what's coming through that door. So for them to be able to go somewhere where they have full control over their environment can be really helpful for them to kind of reset and re-engage in their work. So can we expand upon that a little bit? When you talk about control and you talk about building elements within the space, I used to work in a hospital. I've been in a break room. It was just that, a break room. How can that be taken to the next level where it really does exactly what you say, provide that control, but also build the resiliency of that individual staff member by addressing their their mental needs as well as whatever nourishment they need and all the other parts? 
I think it goes back to what we've been doing for, you know, patient experience design for years. And what are the elements of a, of a healing environment? Devin touched on some of those, you know, control over your environment, access to nature, um, eliminating environmental stressors. So again, it's just kind of bringing in those same sort of principles we've been designing with for a long time for patients and just applying those to the staff spaces as well. And I think adding on to the break room, and we've done this very recently in many projects is a space we like to call like a staff respite room, just a small little space doesn't have to be big, but where an individual can step away from whatever they're doing, because the staff break room is awesome for that camaraderie and, you know, getting to chat with your coworkers, but sometimes you just really need to step away. And so being able to just have that small space for staff members can be really important, especially on like critical care units or the COVID floors. And then even integrating into that with our life so embedded in, you know, these Zoom calls and everything. I mean, everyone knows how to use this and it's so accessible now. Having the ability to be able to telehealth into an on-call mental health staff can be super beneficial, a great resource for staff as well as maybe being able to talk to a loved one. I mean, you hear about these physicians and nurses that are working the COVID floors and they can't go home for days or, you know, they have to quarantine. They want to see their loved ones. So giving them that access that they could do it quickly on their break can be just such a, a mood booster for them and a really great benefit. And it's not hard technology to use or to integrate into your system. Is there stuff that we're learning in the behavioral health realm with the application of uh, elements like sensory rooms that can be utilized in these small spaces to help um, to, to help staff members recenter themselves, to recharge, or uh, even to grieve? I think definitely uh, the sensory rooms that we design for behavioral health units can apply to anybody. I mean, we all have moments where we just need to like block ourselves off from everything that is going on. And so choosing a really serene graphic that we put on the wall and we've talked about lights and how we can have lights that can change colors and really help your mood and sound machines. I mean, they're all really simple things that we put into these behavioral health sensory rooms, it, it's not a far-fetched thing to apply to anybody and everybody. Everybody would find those things calming and relaxing. And I think they should really be available to anybody in a workplace because we're all faced with really emotional challenges throughout our day. And I think it's okay to take those mental breaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just picking up on, you know, nature, we know from all the research is it's so healing and it can be looking out a window and, or being outside and actually experiencing, you know, physical nature, but we know implied nature is almost as healing too. So like Devin said, maybe it's a wall graphic, maybe it's just a few pieces of art or it's a plant on the table. Those things can have huge impacts. And again, just really not be, you know, anything that's overly difficult to integrate right into the design. We would just like staff spaces to not be afterthoughts in mm-hmm. the design to be, you know, very much at the forefront of the patient design. And we do such a good job of all this patient design and focus on that. It's so easy to carry that right into the pa- or the staff areas. Um, 
and just not letting the hospitals kind of shove them in the back corner of the basement. So how do we keep that as a forethought? I mean, I know that there's a mantra in that, well, I've heard it in healthcare, that the staff experience can drive the patient experience. And hospitals are graded on the experience that patients have. Are there ways that we can leverage the healthcare environment to promote that employee experience that then is reflected by the patient experience? Yeah, I we have this saying, you know, happy staff means happy patients. And you can just imagine, you know, when we all go into work every day, you've got good and bad days and, you know, multiply that by people that are dealing with human lives. Like, you know, we get stressed out about emails and deadlines and things like that, but these people are caring for people that are in desperate need a lot of times. And so it's, it's really just thinking about thinking harder about what exactly their job entails, not only from a physical standpoint and trying to make it as efficient as possible, but really the emotional taxing that happens to them just on a day-to-day basis. And so I think starting to rope in important questions on architecture and designs and to the staff that are maybe more emotionally focused or what are those needs from their standpoint that we can really start to think differently about and incorporate on every project versus just you know, how many steps is it from the nurse station to the med room, to the patient room, et cetera. And, and that's our job as industry leaders is to bring those questions to our clients. Um, I mean, we are, should be at the forefront of things that they should be implementing in design. And so it is our job to bring those ideas to them, to question them if this is where you want your staff to be breaking, or are you sure you're going to eliminate that? Um, you know, like, let's really think about that and talk about that. Um, so I think it's, it's really on us to bring that to them because that is our job. As a medical planner, Devin, you come in early on many of these discussions, Uh, looking at it from the staff resiliency lens, do we need to change the discussion when we're planning these spaces from cost per square foot to cost per experience? That's a tough question <laughs> um, because, I mean, as as hard as it is, I mean, money is a, a huge driver in everything we do. I mean, hospitals have to make money. And we've seen with COVID that, you know, the second they can't do what they need to do, it really disrupts things. But I think we can, we can always connect back the experiences and the emotional aspect back to the dollar, because we know how much it costs to have to go out and hire new staff and train new staff and retain them. And we're seeing that there's just not as many professionals going into the healthcare industry. And so they're having a hard time recruiting people and keeping them. Um, So I think we can definitely play that lens of, well, you need to give your staff amenities so that they're happy here so that they want to stay here and you don't have to go out, keep searching for new staff every you know few months. So I think it's just a matter of kind of changing that conversation, changing their lens on where, where the money is. You know, we're talking about a built environment, but this is going to impact your, you know, this other bucket of money. Um, so everything is really interconnected. And at that programming level, those initial levels, we we have to look at everything holistically and not just the built walls. 
COVID-19 obviously has taken an emotional toll and it's been exponentially uh, affecting uh, the mental health of, of the care staff. Is there a way that we can design for grief? You know, we, we often design for celebration. We design for energy. We design for warmth and comfort, but you never really hear anybody talking about designing for grief. You know, it, it's, and, and if we can't design for grief, is there something that we can do in design that at least elevates the, the empathy for what the care staff have experienced? That's a great question. And I think I feel like I'm sounding like a broken record a little bit, but and keep talking about a staff respite space, but that is literally what it should be used for. And integrating those lighting and sound options, you can adjust, you know, what mood you're feeling of, you know, how you, how you need to, you know, respite in that space. I don't think we do a good job of designing for grief, especially in hospitals. And it it changes from kind of department to department. We always think of birthing centers as being really celebratory places. And so many happy things are happening there. You know, new babies are being born, but people always also go there and, you know, they lose their babies and that's really, really hard. So having to think about that lens for the staff and then for that family and understanding where is the best place in that building for them to have those grief moments. So I I think we are starting to think about that, especially in, you know, those departments where it seems like it should be happy, but bad moments can happen. So, yeah, I just think having that flexibility of control, since we know we can't have, you know, here's the happy room and here's the sad room. We need the room to function as everything. Those simple aspects of the lighting and the sound and the kind of separation from space if need be. Totally agree with that. And, you know, it goes back to maybe to just asking the questions of staff, you know, if we're thinking about from their perspective, what types of spaces they need. Some people like to grieve through connecting with others and talking about it and being around other people. Others, you know, would prefer to be on their own and just have a small room that they can go cry their eyes out in and then come back and they're okay. And they don't need to talk to anyone. So it's making sure that we're not only designing spaces where there are, you know, people are kind of packed on top of each other and always around each other, giving them that opportunity to be alone if needed. Um, and again, kind of what Devin said with, you know, designing spaces, considering what family's going through too, is it, sometimes there's, you know, a meditation space or a chapel or something of that nature in a hospital where bad news can be delivered or families can go. But more times than not, we'll hear staff talk about, oh, we just, we take them into this conference room and that's kind of where this news is delivered. And so I think COVID especially has really made us think about the human side of care more than ever. And just really thinking about how it's impacting everyone so differently and just trying to be mindful moving forward that no, we're not going to be designing for COVID pandemics regularly over the years, hopefully. But just what kind of spaces are we providing and do we have all of our bases covered for not just the celebratory moments? I know there was a center that uh, I think, Devin, you specifically worked on recently that incorporated uh, a green roof. Is that right? Um, We've talked a lot about what we can do within the space. Is there an opportunity to start leveraging the outside uh, as, as a place for staff to go if they need that recharging moment? Certainly. I mean, 
any sort of green space or access to that is great. And especially in an, an urban campus hospital, there isn't an abundance of that. And it is a very strong trend that is happening in healthcare practice of green roofs or courtyard spaces um, that are sort of accessed by everybody. Sometimes it's hard to kind of have it specifically for staff members versus families, but it's definitely something to think about, you know, just little pockets of space can be, make all the difference. So really utilizing those areas that we have. Danny, you talked about this moment in time of being able to see care through a more human lens. Do you think this moment in time will help us improve the way we care for those who provide our care? Absolutely. This has brought out feelings that maybe some of us have never felt before. And it's this huge, huge growth opportunity just to take that, you know, new spin on things and just kind of take a step back and remember why we're doing this and what the impact of healthcare design truly can have. It's super exciting for me. I I love that we can think about this different and we're all just people coming together, trying to help each other out and really, especially help out those people that are, that are caring for all of us. I appreciate both uh, you and Devin putting yourselves out there uh, to address this issue. Uh, It's not an easy issue. And like you mentioned, Devin, you know, finding that balance of this is both, you know, there's money involved in creating these spaces, but there's humans involved in trying to create spaces that are effective for everybody. So I appreciate the insights, the the honesty, and, and more than anything else, the empathy that you brought today. You know, as much as we can see a light at the end of the tunnel with the proliferation of vaccines, we know we need to come out of this taking better care of those who provide our care. And you provided us some valuable insights uh, to set us on that path. And, and thanks. If you or someone you know has thoughts of suicide, please seek help and talk to someone. Amongst the many resources, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That is 1-800-273-8255. And Danny and Devin alluded to it earlier, but they wrote a they wrote about this subject for BWBR's website titled Building Staff Resilience in a Time of COVID-19. At the end of the article, there's a list of resources for both individuals and organizations that they can use to address mental health and wellness for care staff. You can find the article on our website at www.bwbr.com and look for it in our news and views section under the culture tab. And let us know what you're thinking on this subject, as well as any other design thinking topics that would make a great conversation. Email us at sideofdesign at bwbr.com. Thank you for listening today. And until the next time, see you on the other side.